Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So bring on the Georgia indictment. According to Trump's lawyer, the Georgia indictment is coming through. Isn't it? Didn't Trump say what was in the Alabama event? He was speaking to the Republicans, Republican Party of Alabama, some big fundraiser they were doing. Uh, I, I, need, I need one more indictment to seal this thing up. One more indictment, and I've got myself the, the, the nomination. I'll be the next president. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything, of course, at TonyKatz.com. According to Trump's lawyer, there is going to be an indictment coming regarding the state of Georgia. This, the phone call that Trump had with the then Secretary of State, is he still Secretary of State? Brad Raffensperger. Uh, you know, uh, you, you got to find the votes. It's not that he said find the vote. He wasn't like saying, you know, go out there and, and invent the votes. That's clearly not what he was saying. But it's coming. It's absolutely going to come. The, 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 the sea of them, the sea of the indictments. And you've, you've heard me talk about how horrifically opposed I am uh, to, to this indictment. But I, I well, the January 6th indictments. And I, look, I'm opposed to the indictment regarding the classified documents. And I'm disgusted by the classified documents case. Disgusted by the case. So let's start with that. Let's start with the idea that it is okay to not be okay with something Trump has done. I get that the Trump acolyte doesn't accept this, but that's not my problem, nor is it your problem. You're allowed to say, I think the guy has a crappy attitude, or I think the guy has done crappy things, or I think he says crappy things. Of course it's okay, because we have to start with a baseline thought. We're not getting perfection. Now, this is not me excusing. If you ask me if I excuse how he handled January 6th, I don't. I start with Vice President Pence on that one. And yes, Trump should have done more to make sure Pence was safe. Don't tell me Pence is a traitor, this, that, or the other. I've got a constitution. I've got the vice president who's having an issue because there are people in the Capitol who at that moment were looking to engage a problem and you get him out. I don't know why this is a debate. I don't know why we can't simply agree on that one, but I'm really willing to fight over that subject. I'm willing to fight over that subject. And if you tell me, well, what was Trump supposed to do? I want a National Guard unit in the Capitol getting the vice president out. What do you mean, what do I want you to do? What do you mean, what I want you to do? You argue, hey, this was just American citizens engaged in protest. I'm fine with American citizens engaged in protest. I have no idea who was in the Capitol. None. And considering the amount of FBI agents who were involved in that whole thing, again, I have no idea who was in the Capitol. You see how I did that spin? Do you see how easy that is? You don't trust those agents. You don't trust those FBI agents who were absolutely there to try and gin up the crowd to the moment. Trust the FBI? What are you, nuts? 
When we talk about draining the swamp, I'm not talking about firing Christopher Ray. I'm talking about firing a thousand members of the DOJ and the FBI being part of the DOJ, a thousand people between the two organizations. Maybe you'll need to fire more. I'm sorry, what do other people mean by draining the swamp? What possibly could you mean by draining a swamp if it doesn't start with the firing of a thousand people? And not just in the DOJ, I'm firing a thousand people at state. Yes, that hurts institutional knowledge. However, the knowledge they have isn't institutional, it's ideological. It's valueless. We may have to start a bit from square on one or two things. That's all right. Start from square one. I'm fine with that. I have I, I accept that level of trade-off. I'm down with it. Trump should have made sure that Vice President Pence was safe. And I'm upset and bothered that he didn't. He was wrong. Uh, Upset's not the right word. Bothered is the right word. He was wrong. Point blank. He was wrong. I don't like a guy who keeps classified documents. What's wrong with you? You needed to have on you the documents that would talk about some plans regarding Iran or something like that? Why? What's the point of it all? Well, that's so he would have the information. So if they came at him, he'd be prepared. Good Lord. You know, there, there's such a thing as playing too much 5D chess. I don't want Biden to have classified documents. I don't want Pence to have classified documents. I don't want Trump to have classified documents in a place where we shouldn't have classified documents because it endangers the nation. Now you can discuss that we overclassify. Too many things get a classified designation. True, I agree. We need to have less, but you know, as well as I do, they classify everything so they can say it's classified, so they don't have to talk about it, so they don't have to share in it, so they don't have to provide it to you, because that's what they do. Of course they're wrong. Of course they are wrong, and they have to be dealt with. This has to be changed, but I already said drain a 1,000 people from the DOJ and a 1,000 people from state. Drain that swamp. If you have to do it from the intelligence agencies, okay. I'm good with that, but I don't excuse Trump having them. What I have said is, I believe that the very idea that he took the documents is the declassification of the documents, and get this, whether he knew it or not. The taking of the documents by the president is the declassifying of them. And I think, I mean, all of this is going to end up in the court. I'll be fascinated how the Supreme Court rules. Uh, don't tell me about some district court who gives two holy craps. I'm talking about SCOTUS. But how I'm trying to understand how they go about it otherwise. What system? Because even when you say, oh, even Trump knew these weren't things weren't declassified because of the way he said it. You know, this is a classified document and all that jazz. Is it possible that it, it could be declassified just by the act? as opposed to the the admission can it be classified regardless or declassified regardless i believe the answer is yes if we argue like i do that the president can declassify anything the president chooses any time then yes but anything you want to say about trump and classified documents well he didn't return them in time i don't know if he has to return them at all not saying he shouldn't i'm saying he should I don't know if he has to if he declassified them. 
But nothing excuses Joe Biden having classified documents in his office in D.C., out there in offices in Boston, at his home, around his Corvette, where his drug-addled son could get hold of them and provide access to other people, people who we don't know about because the Secret Service will not tell us who was at the Delaware home. Trust me, my anger's with you. No, not angry at you. We are angry about the same thing, disgusted by the same thing. We're on the same side here. Now, we may have tactical differences about candidates and things like that. And we may have a disagreement about whether or not something is, is uh, an issue. But this whole conversation started with the idea that you don't have to like Trump. I don't require that from anybody. And the people who are the, these, these people who scream loyalty, oh, you're not loyal. Oh, DeSantis isn't loyal. Oh, this one isn't loyal. <laughs> I have to be loyal to a guy? No, 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 no. I have to be loyal to my country and loyal to the Constitution. That's what I have to do. And the guy running for office has to be loyal to me. The guy running for office has to be loyal to me. I don't have to be loyal to some candidate, some political perfunctory who I can replace. That's the beauty of being a citizen. That's the beauty. That's the power. That's why it's so important. And I argue that the people who are absolutely um, idol-worshipping of Trump they got it wrong, just like the people who were idol-worshipping of Obama got it wrong. Obama wasn't the country. The country's the country. Trump's not the country. The country is the country. That's what matters. The republic is what matters. Presidents come and go. Now, if you tell me you need certain presidents, you need certain elected officials, you need certain policies, philosophies, theories to be able to keep the republic, I'll say I agree. But if the candidate doesn't have the certain uh, policies or theories or philosophies, you can't keep a republic anyway. Joe Biden can't keep the republic. And yes, there is a, a, a every reason to fear four more years of Biden means no more republic. Dear Lord, look around now. We're only half the republic that we were. Under Biden, Biden, which is Obama term three, of course, this is awful stuff. The Inflation Reduction Act didn't reduce inflation. The Inflation Reduction Act moved us more towards the Green New Deal. Energy prices have to do with the lack of willingness to go for energy in our own backyard, begging others, begging OPEC, to, to produce more, to let more out from, from, from their world. Sick and twisted. But we're going to do something about those gas furnaces and those gas stoves and those gas hot water heaters. We need those gas furnaces and those gas stoves and those gas hot water heaters. But we have a nation that wants to move us all to electric so they can then decide whether or not we've used too much electricity. You don't need that much air conditioning. You don't need to charge your car that much. You don't need to cook that much food. Others deciding for us is not the world of the citizen. That's what happens to a subject. And I am not a subject, and I don't think you're a subject. So, yes, we are losing our republic bit by bit, and it is extremely important who we vote for. Extremely, extremely important who we vote for. 
Do I think a fourth indictment makes it easier for Trump to win? No, not at all. I, th- I think this third one, I think people are not recognizing what a giant pain in the ass the whole thing is. It's a giant pain in the ass. This indictment on January 6th, regarding January 6th, I should say, uh, what was it? Uh, not, not a conspiracy against rights. That was the fourth count. That one always gets me. That one just, ah, it's just the, the, the catch-allness of it. Um, I really do believe they're going to throw Trump in jail over this. I do. And, and I, I, man, I, I'm going to be thrilled to be proven wrong on, on the subject. And remember, just so we're clear, I don't think Trump did anything criminal regarding January 6th. From the very beginning, I said he never incited a riot. I was on Fox, it was a couple of weeks ago, and I actually corrected John Scott, who's a super nice dude. Uh, it, it wasn't an insurrection, it was a riot, just so we're all perfectly clear. And some of the, some of the leftist organizations picked it up. I'm like, ah, I did my job. Good on me, well done, well played, cats. <laughs> Every now and then, I'm like, yep, I hit that one correct. I hit that one accurate. Um, I think that people look at this and say, this is a problem. They look at this and say, this is the one that hurts Trump. They look at this and they ask, can he get elected? And you know I've asked this question, but I I, I, I don't want to get into the electability thing at the moment, but rather I want to get into the, the acceptability of two distinct thoughts. And those two thoughts are, you can think Trump shouldn't be found guilty criminally, and that these indictments are nonsense. While thinking Trump screwed up royally and you wish he wouldn't. We should not look at a fourth indictment and be like, oh, this is good news. Ah, I get one more indictment. I've got this thing wrapped up. You got this thing wrapped up? What? Says who? And by the way, wrapped up where? Wrapped up in a, in a primary? With, with, with all due respect, it doesn't matter if you win a primary by 35 points. If you lose a general by six. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. It's a remarkable uh, bunch of hooey. Can he win a general? These things help him in a general? That's a... That that's a um, what's the word I'm looking for? That's a bit of fantasy. That's a bit of stretch right there. That's that is more uh, hope uh, than it is uh, strategy. This January sixth indictment hurts him. Now, I want to see what the polling tells me after a, a bit of time. I I had mentioned earlier uh, that if DeSantis can't make a move now, that guy's never going to make a move. And holy crap, has this not been the campaign DeSantis wants? Oh, and and, and by the way, don't get angry with, with uh, people who support Trump when they beat DeSantis up for failing so far in the campaign. That's exactly what's going to happen. Who knew that DeSantis would be this bad? No, no, you may not have liked him as a candidate this bad with the campaign. You didn't know that was coming. You didn't know that was coming. No way. Whew, bad stuff. Bad stuff all the way around. But it's okay to dislike things Trump has done and think that certain things about how they're going after Trump are wrong. 
You can do both. It isn't an all or nothing proposition. That's mythology. That's the falsehood. And I don't think any of us should deal in falsehoods. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. China and Russia engaging in a little bit of naval activity near the coast of Alaska. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, you can find it all at TonyKatz.com. Love that more and more people are becoming members and being supporters. Really appreciate it. I mean, it's free. It's all free, but if you want to be a supporter, I'm saying thank you. And I appreciate it. You also get uh, the, some of the some of the stuff that you don't see on the other pages. Go to TonyCats.com and get more. Senator Dan Sullivan of Alaska, we've entered a new era of authoritarian aggression. No, no, we haven't, Senator. This has always been it. This is what Russia is. This is what China is. It's important to remember that when you take a look at, let's say, U.S. media, They're disgusted with Russia because of the invasion of Ukraine. If you were to take a look at European nations, they're disgusted with Russia because of the invasion of Ukraine. But Russia is still selling energy to Iran. Russia is still selling energy to China. Why? Because China's thirsty as hell, and they don't give a damn what Russia's doing. My God, India is still buying energy from Russia. India is a thirsty nation. They need the energy. I'm angry with India. Uh, by the way, and if I was able to be there in D.C., you know, I was there for for President uh, Isaac Herzog of Israel. But like two weeks before, three weeks before, uh, it was uh, Prime Minister Modi of of India. Uh, did anybody have words with with Modi about why are you buying from the? It's the Russians. It doesn't work out well for you, and it doesn't work out well for you, subcontinent. If China keeps getting their thirsty taken care of by the Russians and their oil. This relationship between China and Russia should be a bothersome one. And the way to handle this is to starve them out economically. Of course they're going to engage in these military threats. Were they actually in U.S. waters? No, they were off the U.S. waters. Does that matter? Of course not. It took four destroyers to move the Chinese and Russian ships out of there. It was 11 ships between the Russians and the Chinese. Now, this should also be very scary uh, to those of us who recognize these issues because the United States does not have enough ships. We need at least 300 ships. We ain't close. We ain't close, Boo Bear. And this has been a problem for years. Still isn't fixed. It's gross that we can't recognize that we have a Navy that isn't ready, that isn't strong enough. And it doesn't matter how many drones you have. It doesn't matter. You need a Navy. That you cannot replace. You need ships at sea. The end. But the Chinese and the Russians are working together. And they have been working together. And they will continue to do so. We need to pull manufacturing out of China. We need to starve them economically. We need to starve them economically and publicly so people recognize they shouldn't do business with China like in African nations and in South America. And then we need to continue to put the pressure on So even the Russian people say we've had enough of this. That's another story for another day. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.
There's good news all the way around, and there's interesting news everywhere, like Gen Con extending its stay in Indianapolis to 2030. That is very good news. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Gary Dick joins us from InsideIndianaBusiness.com on Twitter, at IIB. I mean, that's a big one right there, as reported by your uh, sister publication at the IBJ. Sticking through 2030, um, yep. you know, it, 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 there are two things about this that, that matter. I don't ask you for your commentary on the social, but rather a recognition of them. We have heard a lot politically about abortion legislation in Indiana. We've heard uh, uh, a lot uh, uh, from the ACLU and others about uh, where this General Assembly is going, about how it's going to cost business. There's been a lot of those kinds of comments. Yet here is Gen Con, which has voiced concerns of these things. And certainly the people at Visit Indy have discussed these things uh, with, with the public. And here they are staying through 2030 that's the story. That's the through line that Indiana is still the place to be for these major scope events. Yeah, no question about it, Tony. A big win to get this extension, because as you mentioned, we talk about social issues, Gen Con, the largest tabletop uh, gaming convention in North America, 50,000 plus uh, attendees uh, come to this thing. So the economic impact is huge. And this is one of the organizations that has been you know, pretty vocal when it comes to some of these social issues and expressed concerns about things like RIFRA and some of the other issues uh, here in, in, in Indiana. And I know there was some real concern locally that perhaps they would be looking elsewhere. But as you say, this is a win. In the Indiana uh, uh, Visit Indy and the convention folks uh, have <clears throat> done a <clears throat> excuse me done a very good job. Obviously, in in convincing Gen Con, this is the place they need to be. So a big win all the way around. Yeah, and I, I would say it is. Uh, you know, one of the things that we we, we look at as uh, I'm talking to Gary Dick inside IndianaBusiness.com is, of course, for Indianapolis, this hotel. And there's a couple of stories around uh, Indiana about uh, construction. But, of course, it's this hotel, the Signia Hotel, the Hilton 800 Rooms. Kite was supposed to be doing uh, this this construction, putting this together. They decided they couldn't get the money. The city decides on a $650 million bond uh, issuance to, to cover the construction, maybe uh, some overages. The city should not be involved, in my view, in building uh, hotels. But it's groups like Gen Con that desperately want the hotel. Is that is does the city now get covered and say, "See, this is why we have to build it," or is there still from the business community in Indianapolis a real feeling that, "Hey, uh, Indianapolis, maybe this isn't what you know how to do, even if we could use the 800 more rooms plus the 50,000 square feet of of uh, of uh, you know floor space." Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is something that the, the, the Hogshead administration, the city, will point to to say, this is why we're getting involved in this. Because uh, your point about about government, about the city getting involved in, in private sector business is a, is, a, is a concern shared by a lot of people in the business community, especially uh, if you look at the, uh, the hotel and motel uh, sector, uh, if you will. Uh, a lot of concern there. On the flip side, the importance of that project moving forward, uh, the hotel, the additional hotel rooms, the connection and the expansion of the Indiana Convention Center, the continued expansion 
of the convention center important for these big, these mega events. You know, Indianapolis, with one of the uh, several other expansions previously of the convention center, really came into the big leagues, if you will, in terms of competing for big-time events with big markets like Chicago and Miami and Vegas and some of these places. So to have that inventory, to have that, uh, you know, those types of things available, important for that to continue. So, uh, again, a two, two-edged sword, if you will, in terms of concern about the city getting involved. But then, again, when you look at events like Gen Con extending for multiple years, uh, would seem to be something that would, would uh, support that government involvement. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks that, you know, the, the government involvement part is indeed the issue, but uh, I don't think I'm the only one talking to Gary Dick inside IndianaBusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. Let me move you through some of the other stories that are happening over inside IndianaBusiness.com, and these have to do with Bloomington. Uh, so yep. you've got uh, an angel investor group that is uh, looking to grow big. You know, we've seen how we talk about uh, that kind of angel money, that seed money uh, here in Indianapolis and what Purdue is trying to do. Now, uh, the story out of Bloomington, and it is almost juxtaposed with the idea of a project in Bloomington that would create 6,000 units of diversified housing because there seems to be an issue with available and affordable housing. And there are people who are fighting this. Uh, we, we can start with the, uh, this, this flywheel fund, which uh, has put 108, 100, uh, I'm sorry, a million dollars plus uh, into Bloomington. What is it that they're trying to develop and what kind of growth does it create? Well, they're trying to create some local uh, uh, business success stories, if you will, some startups. Uh, the Flywheel Fund, uh, which was established several years ago at the Mill, Dimension Mill, which is a, uh, a, a co-working space of sorts that continues to grow in Bloomington. Uh, they've now, the Flywheel Fund, closed its fourth fund, uh, totaling a little over a million bucks from uh, 52 individual investors. And they're investing uh, those dollars into local startups to try to get that, that homegrown uh, feel, if you will, and success stories, whether it's coming out of Indiana University or any other entrepreneurs in that area. And then you go into, as you say, this is a big story. Housing is such a big issue. Uh, and as we've gone around the state uh, with our Engage Indiana series, I, I will tell you that housing in virtually every community we go into is at the top or near the top of the list in terms of challenges, available, affordable housing. So this is a bold move to uh, they're essentially in Bloomington looking to create like uh, I think there's like four or five neighborhoods uh, with uh, with housing uh, components to it. So Bloomington taking a uh, you know an aggressive look at this housing issue and trying to move forward. But what is the is the opposition? Uh, you know, as you guys have uh, the, the story there at InsideIndianaBusiness.com, there's a, a an opposition that is environmental. Is it environmental, or is that? Uh, a subterfuge, if you will, and this is about Bloomington saying, "Hey, maybe we don't actually want that kind of housing in our neighborhood." Very, a very nimby, not in my backyard kind of question. Yeah, well, and this is just now beginning to to formulate uh, uh, this opposition, but uh, it is a big project, as you say, forty about forty five hundred to as many as six thousand units uh, in total. 
And uh, so anytime there's a big development, a big project like that, you can expect to have people who are going to be concerned about it. Is it a NIMBY, not in my backyard situation? Environmental, you hear uh, that uh, certainly topic has come up. Uh, we'll see that that play out. I think uh, I think going forward, but I think there's a lot of momentum behind this this housing issue because as you look at communities, the ability to attract and keep people uh, in companies to attract companies. If you don't have the housing, you're not going to get uh, you're not going to get that investment. I think that's what Bloomington and some of these other communities are looking at. Gary Dick inside Indiana business on Twitter at IIB is where you find him. Gary, appreciate you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. you on is the stuff you lied about you lied. and said you didn't have it that's why they indicted your mind and I, I, think, I think that you can't stress enough just the the threat to national security that these actions pose so just really quickly like donald the D- donald trump's biggest detractors did not expect an indictment that's this rock solid yeah. uh-huh. we are talking about classified documents around nukes defense and weapons capabilities vulnerabilities of the u.s homeland and he was keeping them in a bathroom with a little chandelier at mar-a-lago which by the way has been a target for chinese espionage and what i'm frustrated frustrated by today is i was working on capitol hill on the oversight committee back in 2015 when we were investigating Hillary Clinton for mishandling classified information as Secretary of State. Jim Jordan was on that committee. Ron DeSantis was. Uh Mark Meadows was. If you were outraged by that, why are you not a thousand times more outraged by this? What does that even mean, Alyssa Farah? How do you compare these two things? My God, what have they done to you over at The View? Why are you like this. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. I I engage this conversation. We were talking earlier about you don't have to like Trump to still be able to take a look at indictments and say, yeah, this is abusive stuff. But for Alyssa Farah to say, if you were outraged by Hillary, you should be 10, a thousand times, a thousand times more outraged. Or was it, was it, well, wait, was it 10 times worse, a thousand times worse? Jim Jordan was on that committee. Ron DeSantis was. Uh-huh. Mark Meadows was. If you were outraged by that, why are you not a thousand times more outraged by this? And where's this the indictment for her if you found something? But th- that's the thing. This is because 10 times worse. Why is it 10 times worse? Why is it 10 times worse? Hold on. Are we discussing the idea of having classified documents to begin with? Or what the classified document said. If the classified document put confidential human sources or CIA agents at risk or a classified document showed nuclear secrets, this is what we're now going to do the ranking on. That's fine if that's what you want to do the ranking on. Except you're not being engaged in the totality of the problem of the conversation or the problem that's presented to the nation. Trump had the ability, at least we can argue that, the ability to declassify. Now, is the taking of the document, the declassifying of the document, this is where I say yes, and I guess this is what we're going to find out from the Supreme Court. Hillary Clinton not only had none of those capabilities, she proactively worked to keep emails away from House oversight. 
And then when confronted with the fact that she had done it, she destroyed the server, mocked us for noticing, and no one cared. With all due respect, you either care about the process or you don't. It is not a question of caring about the classified documents. One can make that argument, but to say that it's worse, it's worse than proactively circumventing government oversight? In both cases, you would be arguing that it was a circumvention of government oversight. That's exactly what you said. That's how uh, Whoopi Goldberg started. Uh, the problem is you didn't give the things back. You were trying to circumvent oversight of the federal government. That's exactly what Hillary did. What's your argument, crazy person? And to bring Hillary up like this is to say that we never should have been bothered, disgusted, angered, or even looked into what she did in the first place. And that, of course, is madness. Sheer madness. Our issue, our issue is that we don't have cogency. Alyssa Farah isn't interested in the Republic. She's interested in Trump getting his just desserts so, so she could say, see, I was right. I stood up to him. What? Do you think that's going to get you liked by Joy Behar? Joy Behar hates your guts like she hated Meghan McCain's guts. Like she hated, who was it, Elizabeth Hasselbeck? Was that the, like she hated Elizabeth Hasselbeck's guts. Maybe not as much as Rosie, but hated her. That's your job. Your job is to be the punching bag. Your job is to be the mea culpa girl. That's your job. Not stand up. Not to say, whoa, 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 whoa. What Hillary did was disgusting. You know she should have gone to jail, right? But right now we're talking about Trump. And man, does that steam me. And then you can go on from there. When you engage the comparison, the whataboutism, we're supposed to be opposed to classified documents not being in the places where classified documents need to be. One of the things that we have to do, and it is hard sometimes, is we have to have a stability to our through lines. If it was wrong for Hillary Clinton, if it was wrong for Joe Biden, it's wrong for Donald Trump. It's wrong to have the classified documents. Wrong for Mike Pence. Wrong. The question before us is what would be any level of difference? The only difference in those four cases is that Trump was president. And by the way, Obama had classified documents. Oh, but Tony, he returned them. I do not know how fast he returned them. And I wouldn't know if I would trust the archives if they told me he returned everything. I don't know if I would necessarily uh, b b b believe uh, that. I just, uh, what, what can I say? No, no faith in Obama, no faith in the, in the institutions. Trump, by the virtue of his being president, did the taking of the documents declassify the documents? This is what has to be found out. This is what has to be discovered. The government's claim is is going to hinge, I believe, on that. That's different than whether or not I think it's okay. No, I don't think it's okay. Was it legal? Well, it may have been. It may have been because he's the president. Do I like it? God, I don't like it. 
But I don't want to excuse anybody else's behavior either because what Trump did was worse. That's that's where the madness comes in. That's where the crazy comes in. And as I say, people can do it. But once you break down what it is they're doing, you realize how wrong they are. That they're looking to have uh, ways of, of creating cover for certain people. I don't want to create cover for Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was a terrible person. A terrible Secretary of State, a terrible Senator, an abusive person, somebody who didn't care about the rule of law at all, still doesn't, and the Clinton Global Initiative proves that, and should be a role model for no woman or man out there ever. Ever. There's nothing about Hillary that someone should say, I want my, I want my kids to emulate that. Why, why would, why, why? Would you ever, ever want that? So this whole 10 times worse, 1,000 times worse is, is making one believe that what Hillary did wasn't so bad. What Hillary did was awful. Awful. And she doesn't have the cover of being president. And even if so, she actively, proactively worked to subvert uh, the, the eyes of, of Congress and oversight. Trump took boxes which he may, as president, been allowed to take. These are different subjects. Find everything at TonyKatz.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.